You're listening to Save the Date, the number one podcast about all things wedding What a pleasure it is to be sharing this time with you. Thank you for spending the time with me. I love hearing from you and so many people are writing to me saying, I listen on public transport and I just think that's the best place to listen to podcasts. It really is. I've said this before, I'll say it again, it blocks out the crazies. I sometimes get the giggles on on the tube in London where I live, the tube, the Underground Railway, if you've never heard of it. It's deep, deep, deep down underground and people get very angry and weird. It seems to be the lower the station is, the weirder people get and the more angry. There's no need for it. We're all just trying to get to our destination. That's what I say. And uh, podcasts do seem to make things a little less crazy. You can go into your own world and uh, just block out the BO as well. I don't know if that works, but ooh, summer in London, just put some deodorant on. That's all I request from you, my fellow commuters. It is 92, episode 92 of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, a podcast hosted by myself, Alicia. I'm a comedian, an author, a TV presenter, and a lot, lot more. I am, well, a triple threat. I can't remember what's after a quadruple threat. I don't know. And I'm really a threat to no one, so that's a bullshit title. However, I have lots of strings to my bow to use another cliche, and one of them is talking about weddings and answering your wedding planning questions. I've been receiving lots of wonderful topics as well and themes, so thank you to those lovely listeners who have uh, accepted my request to send in topics that you would like me to cover and areas that you'd like me to go a little bit deeper when it comes to planning your wedding. It's really helpful to have these inspirational ideas sent through because sometimes I look and go, gosh, there's so much to cover, what to do next, and getting your emails really helps me. Just lock it in. Lock it in. I'm going to hit up a Twitter question straight away because that's how I'm rolling today, baby. I'm rolling fast. I'm rolling hard. We're getting to the questions. Laurie Schaefer at HappyCrafter207 sent me a question recently. She says, we have a firm set headcount we can have at our venue. We've gotten RSVPs from families who cannot come. Is it wrong to send more sets of invites? Laurie, this is a fabulous question, and uh, I actually talk about this a lot in in the guide to getting hitched, the free book that I give away at savethedatepodcast.com. Gee, that was a plug fest, unnecessary, but I've done it. Um, here's the thing. It depends entirely on when your wedding is, and if the people that know that you are sending out the invitations, do they know perhaps that they're not on the list? Have you communicated to them that they're on a big list? Because this is where it gets a little dodgy and dicey. And etiquette-wise, I think you need to be very careful if you are planning to send out a second round of invitations that A, it is not a week before the wedding. Too bad, too sad. If you haven't invited someone by then, forget it. You need to give people the appropriate amount of time. So let's say hypothetically it's eight weeks before the wedding. You sent out the invitations. Five people, six people, let's be even for my math's sake, have come back and said, sorry, so sorry, we cannot come. And you get this information relatively quickly. Uh, I would say, yes, you can then send out a second round of invitations to people, but be discreet and don't make a big deal about it. 
On the other hand, perhaps you, no, there's no other hand. You can't say to people, well, you might get invited if someone cancels because that's sort of shit. You, just, you don't, you don't, you don't want, want to make people think that they're in when it comes to being invited to your wedding. So I do think discretion is needed. I think it's perfectly acceptable to have an A and a B list, particularly when you're first planning the guest list. There are always going to be people that if you have a strict headcount that you would say, oh, if I had 10 more people or if I had the money to bring 10 more people to the wedding, they'd be top of the list. So yes, if you have them in mind, if they are not being asked also, here's a big factor, to travel a long distance to be in your wedding. If this is a destination wedding, clearly you're not going to be ringing someone two weeks before saying, hi, we're going to go to Tahiti. Do you want to come with us? Great. I don't know why you're American, but you are. So it, you, you have to be very mindful of people traveling. So if this is a local wedding, again, Laurie, I'd say if it's not too far out, if they're not going to take offense and know that they're going to be a backup guest member, I say go for it. Trust your gut and also trust that perhaps the grapevine, the talking grapevine I'm talking about, haven't uh, been in full swing. When And I mean that in the sense that these people aren't offended that you haven't invited them to the wedding. It's all... It's all about trusting your instincts with who you're dealing with and about the time that you are out from the wedding day. Personally, I don't mind the idea of being a backup dancer at a wedding, like a backup guest, because if you are giving, given, given and giving the opportunity to have someone that you'd really like to be there, but as you said, you've got a specific headcount, I think that's quite nice that then you've gone back and said, I really want to fill that spot because I'd really like that person to be there. So I think potentially if there is any ill feeling or weirdness about it, you could just explain. And of course, like I always say, honesty really is the best policy when it comes to these these etiquette matters that you could say, I'm really sorry, I had family members that I needed to, I felt, and I, I'm here, I'm going to say it, obligated, I felt obliged to invite before you. Uh, I, they had to come and now they can't come, so I'd love you to be there. That's, I think, perfectly legitimate. I know many etiquette persons, people, would probably argue with me about that. But because I'm a modern gal and because I think you should have the people that you want there, then you should do it. Go, Laurie. Thank you so much for tweeting me. It's a very easy way to get a Q&A question straight to me, right in front of my face. It turns up on my iPhone, so I can't ignore you. Not that I would ignore anyone else, but it's a really quick way to get a question through and uh, get it on the show. At Save the Date PC is where you will find me via the Twitter. I asked on Monday's episode, uh, which was a wedding blogger special episode. It was great, actually, to present that. Uh, next Monday, I've got part two of that series. Is it a series within its only two? Well, just part two is coming up on Monday. But I did request in this Monday's episode for people to give me feedback about their weddings and their wedding planning. If I've answered a question in previous episodes or if they have been particularly affected by what I talk about, to let me know. And the lovely Jamie Olsen, she sent me a message saying, and the subject line was, thank you, in capitals. That's how I say capitals. Let's just yell it. 
Uh, Jamie says that she lives in Cincinnati in Ohio and uh, she loves the podcast. She's getting married next September and it's been a huge help in helping her stay sane and sticking to her guns in planning her wedding on a budget. I've binged on all the episodes in the past at work. (laughs) Good. And it makes my day so much more happy. It's great. You're great. Love it. Thank you very much, Jamie. And thank you so much for spreading the word. So here it is. I just listened to your phallic free parties episode. Now, my lovely friends, when I say phallic free parties episode, it sounds like a fantastic vocal warm up. Phallic free, what she's talking about is episode 81. It was called Eight Phallic Free Bachelorette Ideas. And basically, if you haven't heard it, it was an episode all about howing, howing to avoid not wearing the penises and dicks all over you if that's not your bag when it comes to celebrating with your gal pals and maybe guy pals a bachelorette slash hen's day that isn't sort of all about cocks. So that was it. I really um, enjoyed doing that episode. And to be honest, I had eight ideas and I could have done 28 ideas because there are so many cool ideas that aren't just going to your local slapper pub and watching a disgusting stripper. And some strippers aren't disgusting. But most of my experiences with male strippers especially have been fairly vom vom. So that's what that episode was about. And so so Jamie has said, I thought I'd share what we're doing. I only know so much because there are surprises. So this is her disclaimer, which I love. We are going glamping. It's glamorous camping, and we found a cabin at a state park that fits 10 people, and it ended up being much cheaper than all of the hotel rooms we'd need for everyone. That is a fabulous tip, Jamie, that is thinking outside the box. The park is close enough to the city for drinking, spas, and art museums. We are all into the arts. Good. So am I. And we can come back to have a big slumber party, and we're all together, and we don't have to worry about noise complaints. Oh, can I just clap this? Because this is bloody great. We didn't have a phallic free goal, but there are girls there that weren't sure about their comfort levels. So this was a great alternative. Now, can I just say, I'm not a prude and I know Jamie's not a prude reading this. I I was going to say, I love penises. That sounds, (laughs) I've got nothing against penises or vaginas. Or any genitals. I want you to know that. I am not someone that's uppity and not into it. But I just think we can do better. I think you know what I'm talking about. It's the idea to go, if we're not going to be doing a formulaic wedding, then we don't necessarily have to have a formulaic bachelorette party where we pretend to enjoy some gross out stuff when we can have a nice time like Jamie's having and actually enjoy ourselves without going, I don't want someone, some stranger's penis being put in my face. Oh, I had to lean away from the mic and just think, have a little moment to myself just then. Um, okay, so she then goes on to saying, my maid of honor is killing it in the planning process and I couldn't be more excited. Another idea that we came up with was going to a drag show. It wasn't stripping or clubbing, but it had an exciting party appeal with just going to a show. And the only reason we didn't is that we couldn't find one in the area. Well, probably not in the state park, but I still thought it was a great idea. My fiance, his name is Garrett, is doing a zip lining trip. Oh yeah. And a local brewery tasting because he hates clubs and strippers and everyone in the groom's party loves the outdoors. 
there is more to read, but I'm just going to comment on this now, that what a great couple. You've both embraced what you like. Can I just say, going to a drag show is a great idea. Drag performers are pretty amazing. If you've ever watched RuPaul, you'll get what I'm saying. There is a lot that goes on to be a successful drag performer and uh, very enjoyable if you go to a good one. So I think you're right, Jamie, in saying that perhaps if you haven't found the right one, you know, it's like going to a, you know, a stand-up comedy amateur night. They're fun for two minutes and then it sort of gets painful. I can say that because I've been in them and they're just as painful for the people on stage as off. Oh, I'm just reliving half of my early stand-up comedy career. Jamie continues, I'm a month into planning and most of the major plans worked out and Save the Date has helped me catch up and handle so many things I didn't think about. We are now much more confident with our wedding day. Everything is a family affair. My auntie is a wedding photographer. My other aunt is a hairdresser. Close family friends and a florist are are a florist and a baker. I'm designing the stationery and my brother is going to DJ. He's 17 and wanted something to do rather than awkwardly dance. And my fiance wanted to pick the music. Combo, fabulous. By incorporating all of these people, everything is so much more sentimental and it saved us a ton of money. We will be at a small local golf course in an old estate house where they have a small chapel on site and an outdoor ceremony area so we can be outside but have a backup ceremony space so we don't have to mess up the tents. Very clever idea. They also have a wine cellar that we can use for the rehearsal dinner and they, oh I like this, they will set up the chairs, tables and provide bartenders. It is all inclusive, super easy, cheap because it is in a small town and they threw in a golf package for the dads which was great so we will be happy to have them out of our hair for the last few days. And also I think that's really nice as well Jamie to have something for the dads to go and do together because perhaps they know each other, perhaps they don't. It's a bit of bonding, it's a bit of guy time, they can chat about the future. Jamie goes on to say, I can't be a bigger advocate for the all-inclusive venues after working with this place. I loved your advice about personalizing, so rather than relying on lots of expensive flowers for tables, we're doing smaller flowers and incorporating painted blocks and lemons to look like a classic still life to reference the foundations, art class where Gareth and I met. I'm so excited for your wedding, Jamie. See, normally I wouldn't read a letter this long, but I love everything that Jamie's saying so much that I have to share this with you. Just stick with me. I know you're enjoying this as much as I am. We did run into a problem with the guest list when my mother wanted to invite a ton of people I didn't know and said, well, I'll pay for the catering, so don't worry about the money. We were paying for most of it until this conversation. And the point was that we didn't know them. Good, Jamie. Yes, you're listening. There were fights and tears. I loved and so did my dad along with everyone else your suggestion of the A and B list. Hilarious, I've just mentioned that. However, my mother wouldn't budge and the only way to keep the rest of the wedding stress-free was to give in. (laughs) We have all been there, Jamie. Sometimes with parents, you've just got to go for fuck's sake. Fine. 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 I'm fine with the people coming. 
but if you have any further suggestions about how to avoid other cases of conditional generosity, thank you for using that in the future. So we have to we have our own say that would be hugely appreciated. We have done so much that we are on our way to a happy, easy wedding planning process. But my mother is never like this, so I was completely blindsided. Holy shit, this was longer than I thought it would be. Sorry, thanks for reading, and I'd love to hear from you. All the best, Jamie. Jamie, you have hit so many points. This is why I shared this whole letter with my lovely listeners, you today, because I think Jamie has listened to the podcast. She's gotten exactly what she needed and wanted out of it, and I'm so proud that I'm, well, this sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but I'm proud that I've helped you along the way. Conditional generosity for those who are new to the podcast. And just to reiterate, I love bringing this one home is when someone says like a parent or a relative, I would love, 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 love to contribute this money, or I would love to pay for a photographer only though, if you do what I say. And it's a form of blackmail, really. It's a form of blackmail that's cleverly used by parents when they're trying to sound like they're doing you a really big favor, but it has such massive attachments, emotional attachments, uh, monetary attachments to it. It's actually, like Jamie just said, more trouble than it's worth when people are basically saying, I'm going to pay for you to do what I say. And that doesn't go down that well with a lot of people. But a lot of people like Jamie, again, I totally get what you're coming from where you just go, listen, if this lady doesn't stop being weird, this lady is in your mother, Jamie, I am going to lose my shit. So perhaps it's easier just to say, fine, have your people. If you can accommodate that, if it's not going to be too much of a hassle, which it seems like you have a very flexible sounding all-inclusive package, fine. Just make it whatever is easier for you. I think the big thing when it comes to parents, and I experienced this with my dad, I found him a little weird in the lead up to our wedding. I thought he was really going to embrace the wedding planning process. And I'm sure you've felt this way too. Some parents are like, let's do this. This is going to be great. I'm going to help out. And it's really interesting. I've had a couple of friends that have experienced exactly the same thing as you, Jamie, and also myself and my best friend had this problem that parents sometimes go, oh shit, my kid's getting married. They're grown up. This is a big deal. I'm going to be weird. And for whatever reason... It comes out in different ways, whether it's being disconnected, not coping, whether it is attached to money and the expectations that they feel that they can't contribute enough or they don't have control or that perhaps you're not doing what they expected. So their expectations are being damaged even with, and I think I've said this a few times and very on in the podcast, I hit this point with the idea that if they don't discuss things with you, if you are unaware of their expectations and they get the poops because you aren't doing what they expected, but yet they have not communicated with that with, that with you, it's really hard to figure out what's wrong. So yes, these times really do add extra stress and weirdness to parents especially, but by being open, by playing the game a little bit back with them, I know that's not great advice, but it is saying, listen, you're going to have to behave or I'm not going to be happy and I'm not going to include you anymore. Maybe that's a way to negotiate. It's probably not a Dr. Phil way, but it's an Alicia way. 
How are you going with your parents and wedding planning? I know everyone has different situations and scenarios. We've got step parents. We have parents that are no longer with us. We have parents that have new girlfriends and boyfriends. That's always fun. Hey, <laughs> if you've been in that situation, uh, good luck. It is one of those, those times in life that brings out some interesting and often strange behavior. If you have a, a, a wedding parental story to share with me or a friend's story that I can say, you can, I'm happy to change names. I'd love you to share it with me because I think one thing we all have in common is trying to negotiate with friends and family, especially close family members, and just making sure it all works on the day so everyone's happy, no one's stressed, and no one's going to punch on at your wedding. That's pretty much the worst thing that can happen. Well, second worst. So thank you, Jamie, for sharing that with me. Jamie emailed me via savethedatepodcast.com, which is where you just click the button at the top of the page and it sends you to a lovely little email form. Fill it in, send it to me. It'll appear in my inbox. I'm always looking for fun things to share online. If you follow the Save the Date podcast Facebook page, you know you'll see a lot of it there. And also my Twitter account, Save the Date PC, is where you'll find me. But one of the most popular posts that I shared, I think I found it on BuzzFeed Wedding and Reshared, is this great idea that I wanted to now share with you on the podcast. It is so simple. But to me, I'm now going to include it in every piece of advice I ever give because it is perfect. Here it is. It's a card that says at the top, it's very, it's a very cool looking card. And I will post this again online. You'll be able to find it. But it just says, lost, confused, can't find your pants. Please call anyone but the bride in big capitals. And then underneath, they have all of the key players in the wedding. So they've got the mother of the bride, father of the bride, mother of the groom, father of the groom, maid of honor, best man, hotel, actual emergency, which is 911 in America, wherever you are, you know your number. So the idea is that this card is produced and then given to, well, probably everyone that's attending the wedding. You could include it in your invita invitation information pack. Or like I said a couple of episodes ago, if you have a mail out, an email mail out that perhaps you're just keeping your guests up to date with, you could create a PDF version of this, a cutout and print your own version at home, or perhaps an emailed version that they've got on their um, devices on the day, that if anything goes down, that they're not dialing your mobile telephone number. The post that I'm referring to was photographed by a fabulous um, photography uh, husband and wife duo and their Twitter handle is at Smitten Chickens. Smitten Chickens. They're really great. I would absolutely give them a follow if I were you. They take beautiful photos. And this one just happened to just jump out at me and just made me think a little bit about, again, organizing, being very communicative on the day, but not taking on too much stuff. Even if you are without wedding planner, allocate someone to be your person of contact. Someone that can have their number on that, on that bit of paper, on that card. That if anything goes down, if a car breaks down, if the cake doesn't arrive, that you know that someone will be there that you trust and rely on. <laughs> That's important, by the way. That can take care of that problem without you ever getting a call. You or your partner. 
because if stuff goes down on the day, you don't want to be running around with your mascara half on and your hair in rollers and your undies only half, you know, well, look, let's not go crazy. But you don't want to be running around in your underwear trying to solve a cake problem. Again, it goes back to having someone on the day that you rely on. Please make sure that is happening. If you haven't got that person organized, special homework until next Monday's episode is to think about who that person is, ask them, can you be my point of contact on the day? Maybe it's a special friend that you haven't given a task to. Maybe it's someone that you have been trying to figure out what to allocate them to their responsible and nice. Well, this might make them feel better. (laughs) Can you be my in case of emergency person if the cake doesn't show up or if it rains really hard and we don't know what to do or if the celebrant's lost? That's the sort of person you want to have on your team that can handle a problem and get it sorted. Of course, if you have a wedding planner, that's already done for you. There it is. I am going to love you and leave you this week. Thank you so much for my lovely contributors, especially Jamie, uh, for sending that fabulous email. I'm so glad that you shared that with me and I got to share it with my lovely listeners, my fellow Save the Daters, because what you, everything you've done is implemented, sounds fabulous, you sound like you're in control and I love that you have taken my advice. It really is good ego boost. <laughs> oh gosh, oh gosh. Until next episode of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, I wish you all the happiness. I wish you all the chillaxingness. Don't be a bridezilla. Be a bride chiller. Happy days. Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.